This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Take a selfie rocking one of our shirts from TeePublic and use the hashtag CBCWorthy for a chance to win two free tickets to see Captain Marvel in theaters March 8th. Just click the Shop Comic Book Click link in our show notes to make a purchase or follow us on Facebook for more information. Remember, you are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano aka The Don and if you're listening to this you could only be here for one reason and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast brought to you by Comic Book Click and as always I am never alone. Sir, please introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? My name is Jason Estrella. Um, I'm a semi, not really pro, amateur <laughs> cosplayer I guess. Jason Estrella is here in studio, and he's here for a very particular, I was going to say specific and particular. I wish it was two versions of me so they could have both said the right words, but he's here for a very particular and specific reason because I decided that we needed to do a deep dive on one of the most interesting members of, uh, I guess you could call it the X family. This man isn't necessarily a mutant, but um, he definitely has uh, a lot to do with the history that has to do, especially with X-Factor and stuff like that. We're here to talk about the multiple man, Jamie Madrox himself. And you're basically a multiple man scholar, sir. I had to bring you here in studio because you seem to not only know all things multiple man, but uh, you're one of the people that I look to when I think of this character. And it's for a good reason. If And we're going to put it in the show notes, but this man has a terrific, a terrific Jamie Madrox cosplay. But before we get into that... Cosplay in general, man, it, it, it's, it's blowing up. It's all over. It's at every con. There's contests and, uh, you know, sweepstakes and all kinds of stuff. People have legit become celebrities from this whole cosplaying medium. Uh, what is it about cosplay and when did you start, uh, getting into that whole, uh, dressing up at cons? Uh, I think I started in 2015 or so. Um, okay. I started with um, Madrix as well. Uh, it was very basic, but that's what I like about his suit. He's basically wearing a shirt with jeans. He's like hanging. Yeah, right. Yeah. No spandex. So you would? Would you ever do the? I would the like Cyclops to... look. Uh, <laughs> with the... the you mean like his first first suit? Yeah. Whatnot? I would like to delve into that eventually. I haven't done it yet though. Yeah. But um, uh, it's just everybody has fun. It's kind of like uh, Halloween every time a con comes over because you're having fun dressing up as characters you like. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think are some like do's and don'ts of cosplay? Because some people um want might want to get in. Some people uh, it, it is kind of intimidating to those who are not initiated. Initiated, right? You go to your first Comic Con and all of a sudden you see literal legions of people. Sometimes whole teams. Like, you'll see the entire Fantastic Four, or you'll see, you know, 20 Meeseeks running down, uh, or the myriad of Deadpools, right? How many dead? So many Deadpools every single time. So, um, to those that are uninitiated, what do you think are some of the best parts of, of, like, the cosplay community and some things that you maybe not be too much of a fan of? Uh, the best part of the cosplay community is, like, the camaraderie, I guess. It's, uh, it's like a family. 
Yeah. Uh, but just like with any family, there are members of the family that are uh, <laughs> not pleasant to be around with. But uh, uh, I get it. I dig it. But uh, yeah, I guess do's and don'ts of cosplay, right? Yeah. Well, you gotta keep like I've noticed that some people have to keep extras of certain things on them at all times, just in case things snap, break, need to be repaired. I've seen um cosplay repair <laughs> people walking around. Have you oh. seen that lady? With the the cosplay repair lady, she's yeah. a blessing. Ain't she, though? She's legit out there to help those uh, in need. Yeah, my friend also, he, he was part of a booth that they had uh, stuff to fix your cosplay stuff with, like glues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would always say carry glue with you, carry tape with you, carry you know stuff that you can ca- have on you that you can fix your stuff on, along the way. Because mm-hmm. shit, you know... Stuff. Oh, you're good. Because <laughs> okay. stuff does break, and you know, you never know when it's gonna happen. It's happened to me. Like uh, I was dressed up as Star Lord, and my boot, my rocket thruster, like came apart. Oh man! And I needed that lady. I couldn't find her. <laughs> People were like, "Yo, there's a cosplay lady on the second floor." And I'm like, "Where is Point she?" Point her to me. Bring her to me. <laughs> I found no, I her eventually, it. but after the fact of me already fixing. Yeah. Said thruster. What I see with um, cosplay, and I say this a lot with, uh, let's say, just regular casting in, in films and stuff. We were actually looking um, in studio yesterday at Rob, like one of Robert Downey's like first interviews when he was doing Iron Man, and he looks like sick. Like he, his hair's cut. He just looks out of it. He just looks like. And now the man looks like a million bucks. He can't stop smiling. And I think it's this idea that you, even though you're playing somebody that you may not be, there are certain. Um, characteristics or ideals that that person represents that you may seem to lean on. And then when you dress as that person, it's almost easier to then just be that, be that good. <laughs> almost easier than it is normally. You understand? Like I'm dressed normally, so I don't really have to be good, but I put on the Captain America shield and now I feel like I have to help people across the street and I feel like I have to, you know, uh, be, be a better person. But I saw, um, recently you've been speaking to the idea that certain people are have like this weird cognitive dissonance where they are dressing like good people but still being kind of jerks <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't understand that you know like these stories have like a, a a meaning a lesson to be learned from it like um x-men you know not discriminate but then you have x-men cosplayers discriminating right it's just, <laughs> it's just it baffles so me i don't understand it yeah it's so weird um but i do really dig that cosplay is all-inclusive you know, races, ages, you know, um, sexual orientation, gender be. bent, all that stuff is cool. <laughs> like, when, yeah. uh, you know, the hodgepodge and the um, the creativity. I mean, that's all people want to see is the creativity and people want to have the freedom to uh, be these characters. So why Jamie? And when, when Jamie, I guess I should ask. <laughs> um, I knew of the character before, like back in the days from the animated series and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I never delve into the character until his Marvel Knights book by Peter David. Yes, that's Madrix. a very good series. And after that, I was just hooked onto the character. His powers is really fascinating. What made you open up Madrix? What made you What made you uh, take a chance on that book? Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I saw it, and I never got into any of the Marvel Knights books before. Okay, which is a tragedy. Right, right. But uh. Once I saw it, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get this and see how it is. And then I just, I got hooked. It was really, really good. Yeah. And in that, in that series, he goes from being not just a bit player and X Factor. He's legit the voice of that story. You know, we get in his head, which is a very, um, 
crowded place to me, uh, to, to say the least. Uh, but let's get into a little bit of Jamie's origin here. My man debuted in giant-sized Fantastic Four number four in 1974. That is a long time ago. A very long time ago when you consider that um, he's just now getting more um, play. You know, like you were just saying, that, that run was what, in 2010? That, um, uh, the Marvel Knights. The Marvel Knights run. I want to I say it was around the aughts. But considering that that's 40 years <laughs> Blast his debut, you know, um, it goes to show you that all it takes is a good creator taking a chance on a character for yeah. it to reach a uh, third dimension that people have never seen before. But um, yeah, James Arthur Madrox, his, his folks were uh, living by a, like a radioactive plant. And when the doctor, when the baby's born and the doctor slaps him on the butt, uh, a duplicate appears or dupes. Uh, we will start calling them dupes from now on. And you're probably going to hear that word 18 million times in this podcast. But yes, from birth, that um, that also designates him as a changeling and not a mutant. Apparently, mutants uh, exhibit their mutation like during puberty or during like times of high stress. But a, a changeling is born that way, like a nightcrawler or... Um, like, yeah, people have stated that Nightcrawler is a changeling. The ooh. whole term was created by Peter David. Okay. Uh, Polaris was revealed to be a changeling as well. Um, Are these all under his run? Like, because he made the the word, he's, like, now picking. It's yeah, him, like, this was um, during the X-Factor investigations run okay. that he did. Um, but, yeah, the, the changeling is basically, like, uh, a precursor to mutants. Yeah. Uh, a bridge between humanity and mutants, if you will. Okay. And, um, you know, they know that it's implied that his parents uh, had a conversation with Professor Xavier, who helps them create some sort of suit to uh, dampen or, um, I guess, help Jamie control these powers. Unfortunately, his parents are killed in a tornado or a hurricane, one of those uh, things that happens in flyover country. And so Jamie kind of has to, like, man the farm by himself with all his dupes. And then he... Uh, because these weird power outages and stuff starts to happen, he goes to New York for some help, but happens to bump into the thing and the rest of the Fantastic Four before uh, Charles Xavier is able to clear the air and get Jamie some help at Muir Island with... Am I saying that right? Muir? Muir? Uh, Muir. Muir Island with his boo, uh, Maura McTaggart. He tries to put uh, Jamie Myra. there. And um, looks way different from that first appearance to now. But what, what's your favorite Jamie appearance? Like, like, do you like him in just a shirt and jeans? Do you like the trench coat? Are you a M tattoo guy? Are you a uh, full body suit guy? Um, there's been variations on the logo where it's just the circle with uh, one circle in the middle where all the other dupes out. But there's also been like the the muffin pan one with the circles connecting. You know, yeah, I've seen the, the muffin they, pan one. Yeah, I, I call it the muffin. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like Explanation a yeah the um yeah it's, uh do yeah do you have a particular Jamie or is there one that you don't dig because that's always a tricky situation with comics right you get into somebody you're really digging what happens somebody else gets a hold of him and then just does something crazy and you're going ah I kind of miss the old version of, of yeah, so and so depends on the writers right um I would say Trenchcoat M Tattoo okay yeah that that would be my favorite um. But then again, with him, it's like you can love him and hate him because he has like duplicates that want to kill him too. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Um, yeah, we were talking about that M tattoo, and that uh, goes to one of his. Well, the main thing that we end up finding out during his uh, his origin is that when Jamie takes on physical damage, uh, it creates a duplicate or a dupe 
Um, at first, this is something uncontrollable, but I've seen this man. What does he do? Like snap his fingers sometimes, stomp uh, his feet. It's kinetic energy. It's kinetic energy. Yeah. Okay. So uh, whenever like energy and motion, so whenever he stomps his feet, snaps his fingers, hit his head, somebody punches him. Yeah. He creates a copy. And early on in his creation, you were saying that uh, he was tapped out, right? Like he he couldn't just make dupes until the end of time. Yeah, when they first when he first came about, he was limited like at forty dupes, and okay. each dupe could create forty dupes as well. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he hasn't been corrupted sooner. Like that just seems like someone could have a literal one man army. Um, and we've seen where that goes, you know, um, as far as people trying to take advantage of him or people trying to, you know, use his powers uh, for evil. But Hydra. Yes, but what I what I find a lot of the times is because. Um, he can create these dupes and then this new uh, revelation where he can send these dupes out to go live different lives and go, uh, you know, be individuals, you know, as themselves and then come back. He can reabsorb these dupes back into himself and then gain their power, not their power, I'm sorry, their experience, their knowledge. Their skills. Um, What a revelation. Like that, it, just making the copies and bringing them in, that's pretty cool, as is. But the idea that you could just, I don't know, wait six months and have everybody specialize in something and then bring them all back, uh, that's got to be crazy. That's exactly what I find fascinating about the character. Like, uh, to attain so much knowledge is it's very cool. Yeah. Um, what When you think of the multiple man, when you think of Jamie Madrox, do you think of him as a, like a slacker? Is he, is he more of a reluctant hero? Um because I've seen him portrayed in various <laughs> different ways across medium, but we, when you think of the character, uh, how do you see him? Oh, I wouldn't say he's a slacker per se. I just think he's just a guy caught up in situations where he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, and that's very yeah. uh, relatable. <laughs> that's very that's very real. Yeah. Um, I he gained he gained a lot more prominence when he joined the team known as the X Factor. In the 1990s, he played a major role in the series X Factor. You were talking about Peter David. Um, and uh, it, said, it turns out Peter David didn't really want to write Madrox. He didn't really want him uh, in X Factor at first. And then he ends up becoming one of his favorite characters. And I, I, I really dig that. I really dig that because you might be reluctant to take on somebody. You, you might read a Teen Titans book and may not like one member. But if with enough time and character progression and patience, these people become real people. And so, uh, he, uh, David had a lengthy run on that book. So even if he didn't want Madrox to progress, he had to. You know what I'm saying? If, he, if he's part of this team and stuff. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about uh, what you know about X Factor? I'm kind of uh, uh, low on, on knowledge of that. But I do uh, like what I have seen, which is especially the friendship between um, Mr. Madrox and Strong Guy, Guido. Oh. <laughs> Guido. Yeah, they all had, uh, well, yeah, X-Factor was a government-sponsored team. It was, like, the government's uh, response to mutants and stuff. Okay. Like, that They wanted a team that they can control. They did something similar in the New 52 with uh, ju the Justice League of America. Of America, exactly. Yeah, uh, they create the Justice League of America to kind of keep your eye on the Justice League. <laughs> yeah. But the Justice League of America is government-owned. Uh, Amanda Waller, I think, was running that at the, t at the time. Mm -hmm. So... The X-Men are out of control. We need our own X-Team, government, um, you know, government-operated. And, yeah, you get guys like uh, Wolfsbane. You get, get you get characters like Strong Guy. You get um, Siren. You get my man Madrox. 
And um, they they are set up as a ragtag. By this time, 90s, X-Men is the golden boys, right? They're, they're selling millions of copies and everyone knows about the blue and yellow. You know, like every, like those are the guys and the X-Factor is kind of the ragtag, you know, team trying to get, get their identity and stuff like that. So it's fitting that Madrox would end up being with these guys because even when you look at them, especially got somebody like Strong Guy, that guy's freaking huge. And the bigger he gets, the smaller his glasses get. Like he gets those little. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. He does get big though. But yeah. what's fascinating about Strong Guy in relation to magics, and since they're best friends, is their powers are both based on kinetic energy too. Oh, that actually so makes sense. You hit him, he gets stronger. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty what cool. What do you uh, what do you like about um Strong Guy as as opposed to being a member of the team? Because I mean, it's it's kind of a play on the fact that majority of these teams have a strong guy, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He's just like, yeah, you just call me strong. I'm a strong guy. You just call me strong guy. Like that would be my mutant name and stuff. But what do you like about him and Madrox's um, back and forth? Cause he does seem to generally care about Jamie. They do have a legit best friend like thing going on and it's pretty cool. Um, they've been through a lot, um, yeah. but he generally does care about Jamie and Jamie does care about him. Yeah. Yeah. I dig that. I um, kind of reminds me of the thing in um, uh, Human Torch sometimes. Uh, Human Torch is always like playing tricks around Ben, but I think Human Torch is a lot meaner to <laughs> to, mm-hmm. uh, to, definitely, uh, definitely. to Ben Grimm than um than anybody else. But yeah, you're talking about this government sponsored X Factor, and I heard at one point in time he refused to join the X Men. He was given an opportunity to join the X Men, and he was like, "Nah," mm-hmm. which puts you on your own. That puts you on your own, you know, path there. Yeah, he kind of wants to do his own thing in a, in a sense. Like, he didn't want to join the X-Team at first. That's why he was chilling with Myra for a while on Mirror Island. Yeah. He kind of didn't know what he wanted to do. While he was there, though, on Mirror Island, he was part of a team. Was that the Angels? The Fallen Angels? Yes. There you go. Which I have to read. Yeah. But... I, I was even hearing that um, Moira and Professor X uh, have a child called Proteus was able to go inside people's bodies or something like that. Is it not Proteus? I think Myra... Because I know Professor X be getting busy. He don't be telling people about his kids, but he be getting busy. No, Proteus was Myra's um son, if uh-huh. I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly. But it wasn't Xavier's kid. Uh, I must be getting confused with Legion. Yeah. He has another kid, though, recently. Xavier? Her name, yeah, her name is Zandra. He needs to relax. That yes. guy needs... All his family members are crazy. Look at... Remember, um... Freaking, uh... Man. Uh... Cassandra Nova. There you go. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like, crazy. no. I do not want to see the Xavier... And then you got, um... Juggernaut. Isn't Juggernaut like a... Like his a stepbrother. Step- yeah, yeah. yeah he has nah. a, a crazy family. I Cassandra's not... not really a twin, I was reading. No, it's, it's like, like a t- alien... Some sort of alien. I think that was yeah. Grant Morrison, though. So that actually makes a lot of sense. And, and Zandra is... He actually had nothing, nothing to do with uh, her creation. It was the Shi'ar. They they took his DNA and Lelandra's DNA. And they said, hey, let's make a kid together. Oh, see, that is not cool. But yeah, you're 100% right. Uh, Kevin McTaggart is um, Proteus. And mm. Proteus... Yeah. Man, listen... But yeah, they 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 were. You have Mirror Island, and then Moore is a representative a representative of pe- somebody actually trying to help further the mutant race. You know, she's cool with Charles and stuff. Um, and so 
in in this version of Madrox where he's on Mirror Island and he's just trying to help out, and in other versions, like the early X Factor versions, he's a uh, cog in the wheel. He just wants to be the helpful person on the team. He likes his team. He likes to go and everything. Um, but then I hear about the legacy virus and the legacy virus kills one of the dupes and it's the first time jamie realizes that he can't absorb a dead dupe Mm -hmm. and it crushes him first of all could you even put yourself in the mind state where you see a a dead version of yourself (laughs) see yourself die and then just just look at your lifeless body there like i I cannot even begin to understand what goes on in Jamie's head sometimes, and especially in that moment. And that's one of the biggest moments of this character's, um, you know, story is that it's all fun and games when you could just throw them out all willy-nilly and pull them back in. But then to see one die and to see yourself die, um, that's got to that's gotta sting a bit. What do you say to this idea that, um, you know, because he does create these dupes, that he has a responsibility, kind of? Yeah, for them, him creating these duplicates and them seeking out their own lives sometimes and not wanting to be real. That's interesting as hell too. Yeah, Shield Agent, yeah. um, uh, Pastor John Maddox. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. They it brings about an ethical question: whether or not are they truly their own living beings? Like, are they really individuals, or are they just really copies of himself? And and if he uh, reabsorbs them, is that murder? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Say? Right, it's, it's kind of conflicting. No, I and I, but I think it's supposed to enact those questions in your head, you know. Mm-hmm. And with, with Jamie, um, like I said, on the outskirts, and even when you're in his head, sometimes like in that um, Marvel Knights series, he does seem kind of jovial and jokey. But it does get really real, really fast when he when he's in the mind or in the uh, dealing with these dudes because he does have an affinity for them. They are him. They they you know like like uh, every, sometimes people say they want to meet. The girl that's kind of like them in a way. Imagine if all your best friends were exactly you. They they, they literally look like you. They have um your qualities and and all that stuff there. But you have a superhero here whose power um is kind of makes him look expendable, right? Like these dupes are in in a way expendable. You can throw wave after wave of yourself at a at a target at an army and stuff. But I think that realizing um, the depths of death, uh, yeah. feeling death or getting close to death, um, was something that Madrox was not <laughs> was not uh, freaking they, ready for. They've killed them off a lot of times. They, they have. Uh, the first time was the legacy virus. Yeah, right? as you mentioned, uh, that was when they quote unquote killed Madrox Prime. He's dead, and then it's like, oh no, it's a dupe. Yeah. <laughs> it, what happened was it was weird. If I remember correctly, he created a dupe when he was dying. Okay. And transferred his consciousness into the dude. And that dude became the Prime? Prime. Yeah, okay. it's, it's, if Wait, I remember correctly. Do you remember when that term got coined? The Prime? Like, Madrox Prime? No, I don't remember that. Okay. I like it. Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, Prime like Optimus dupe. Prime, you know? Yeah. Like, I like the idea that, you know, you are the one, you are patient zero almost, you know? Um, but, yeah, like, that's not, that's not easy. And so, even with situations like um that fall over the entire marvel universe like civil war can't be that clean cut right when you can make dupes and they could all <laughs> uh, make up their own minds about stuff you mentioned the dupe that was an agent of shield oh yeah there was a dupe that was an agent of shield but also um if you remember infinity crusade if i remember I, I heard yeah i heard he was on that thing i believe 
one of his dudes was siding with Adam Warlock and one with the goddess, so, something like that. Okay, like, they were at at you know, right against each other, right. And he finds himself sometimes literally facing off against himself in mm-hmm. situations like that. Like I said, with um, you you have dupes that have worked for the government. You have dupes that have worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. You have dupes that have worked for HYDRA, like you were saying before. Um, tell me a little bit about this uh, John Maddox uh, uh, dupe. So it's a, it's a, it's a <laughs> evangelical priest, right? Yeah, he sends out a dupe to study religion. And when he goes on a mission collecting all these dupes and reabsorbing them, like, the agent from S.H.I.E.L.D. and mm-hmm. so forth and so forth. He finds the priest, the priest runs away, and <laughs> lo and behold, he finds out that the priest has a family. Man. And that puts you in a very ethical situation here because um, they have gone and lived their own lives. And not only have they lived their own lives, their lives are affecting other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so you are the prime. You know, you can give it and take it away. But should you? Just because you can do those things, should you? And that puts Jamie in a kind of an awkward uh, position. Uh, he had uh, he had one become a Buddhist monk. <laughs> See, I saw that. And because of that monk achieving enlightenment, he was able to have some sort of semi-enlightenment from it. Okay. And because of that, he can reabsorb from a distance. Oh, wow. Before he could only, like, have he would have to touch the duplicate. Physical touch? Them. Yeah. From there, now he could just reabsorb from a distance, which put into play when he was trying to get the priest back. Yeah, around this time, like we were saying before, um, he decides that he wants to kind of be a detective. Like, he wants to start his own agency and stuff. And it's the idea that, why not? Like, if I want to learn how to do fingerprints, I'll just send a dupe out there who can learn fingerprints. This guy, I think he sent one out, and they became like an Olympic-level athlete. Um, Like you said, there was a Buddhist monk. Um... There was another one that he had said. And he he says these things like a lockpick. Yeah, and he says um, he says them like offhand and stuff like yeah, like, yeah, situation. six months doing this, you know, yeah, a year and a half doing that, and that's what a um Swiss Army knife of of powers and abilities. And what I think is actually the most interesting is that he's not his dupes are not super powered. No, they're all just essentially he's just making copies of a regular person he's right. just a regular person himself so yeah. he's making copies of that so that that's why i feel like um madrox because they don't have powers for the most part besides the ability to duplicate themselves and yes that is a power um it makes me think of human potential because i think that he is the biggest example of what human potential is because he can't grow wings you know he can't i mean maybe he can join a weapon x program we saw it in that miniseries how weird things can happen to the guy but for the most part he is limited by what he can do as a human yeah you understand it kind of makes him a little bit more realistic than a guy throwing concussive beams out of his eyes yeah yeah all all the time i heard my man madrox doesn't really get along with cyclops is that a thing (laughs) is that a thing Lately, they've been getting along, but that's another story. But okay. They, they have been bumping Is he one of those Cyclops was, was right people? Nah. He's, he's, he's totally against Cyclops. They were bumping heads a lot during, um, what was it, Messiah War? Yes. Messiah Complex, too. But he, that's because Cyclops be lying sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he, he was totally... And throughout the whole, like, event-wise, the, uh, the event storylines that happened in Marvel, mm-hmm. with mutants, per se... Uh, Jamie and his team, X Factor, when they were in X Factor investigations, they pretty much kept to themselves. They stood out of these events. Okay. Like, uh, I 
forgot which one. Well, I I dug the idea of Mutant Town, right? Uh, and basically, like Chinatown or Little Italy, a section of New York that's just basically cordoned off and just it's just mutants hanging there. And um, I know that at one point they wanted Jamie to be out and out, like of the for the registration act, and be like, "Hey, tell everybody how much you love it." It's just like I did with Spider Man. We're like, "Spider Man, get up there, take off your mask, let everybody know how much you like this registration act stuff." And so Jamie does, um, they want Jamie to do it, and Jamie's all like, nah, like, if people want to be, you know, to themselves, and they want to be, you know, seek anonymity, then that's all for them. And that's a big choice to make when the guy on the other, on the opposite side, like you said, can send concussive blasts through mm-hmm. his eyes. Didn't they say something like, it's from another dimension or something like that? Didn't some writer make up, like, the beam from his eyes is opening up some oh, sort of... Cyclops? Yeah. Um, from my understanding, it comes from, like, solar... He absorbs solar radiation. Oh. And his brother does the same thing as well. Havoc? Yeah. Mm. Havoc is basically Cyclops, but from his hands or from his body, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, my admitted um, blind spot to all this comes from the fact that I don't know where to start reading X-Men books. And that that's, that's my honest-to-God uh, confession here on this podcast because... Um, Besides the media that's provided, um, animated series, all the animated series, all the movies and stuff for the X-Men, there seems to be a lot of X-Books, mm-hmm. a lot of different directions for X-Books, a lot of X-Teams. And um, Marvel um, seems to like shaking that Etch-A-Sketch quite, so, quite often and then going, well, this is starting from brand new. So like mm-hmm. the, the one thing I read a couple of issues of and I was confused <laughs> right off the bat was I think it was all new X-Men where they had taken the X-Men team from the past uh, and yes, brought them to yes, the future. Yes, yes. Which recently wrapped up too with, uh, what was the storyline called? Extermination. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it was the theory that like, well, main Cyclops is kind of a douche, so we got kid Cyclops here and he's still okay. And uh, Beast and um, Angel and all this kind of stuff there. And it seemed like a cool kind of reset, but then I think everybody ended up coming back Anyway, like all the people that they were trying to replace, like Gene Gray's back. Yeah, but you could blame your boy Beast for that. Okay, <laughs> he's the one that brought them from the past in hopes of young Cyclops changing his ways and seeing how older Cyclops is a is an asshat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, that I actually really, I never really got into the series. Mm-hmm. Like I, I picked it up here and there with certain storylines that they had. I enjoyed their costumes a lot. Yeah. Yeah. They had really great costumes. It was streamlined, and they they looked good. They looked yeah. they looked like a unit. Um, so, do you think like a, a side book is easier to get into? Like maybe an X Factor, maybe an X because right now it's like red, blue, gold. Yeah, there's a lot of teams. I personally, I right now I'm collecting X Men Red. At okay. one point, like when I started, I started. When I started comic books in general, I started when I was little in third grade, and my brother-in-law bought me uh, six issues of uh, X-Men. Okay. And it was during the Excussioner song with Cable uh, and Strife, and I was the, I was, with I the was mutant lost. liberation force, right? Yeah, I was just as lost as you are, or any anybody that picks it up wherever they pick it up. But I guess you just buy any uh like whenever they reboot it, you could get it from there, and then uh. And then um, just, like, look up anything that you might need online or ask a friend, I guess. Yeah. 
Because yeah. there's they, there's so many, 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 many books. What are you liking about Red? Um, Honey Badger. Honey Badger? <laughs> okay. She's awesome. I like her. She's hilarious. Um, But yeah, at one point I was collecting every X-Men title. Wow. And reading and like jumping between the story arcs and stuff. Do they have a lot of interconnectivity? When they do events like uh, Messiah War, Messiah Complex like that, when they do events, they really connect them. But other than that, they pretty much stay individual. Yeah. I didn't know whether or not X-Men was one of those titles because you have things like Justice League for the most part, right? Where you have your cast, you have the Justice League. And for the most part, they don't try to change, you know, many of those characters. Maybe there's one and two that are interchangeable. For the most part, they try to keep a set team. Um, so I didn't know if X-Men was one of those titles where it served them to keep creating new characters or whether they had their established team and they are the X-Men and they will always be the X-Men. And so when it branched off into uh, red, gold, and blue, I'm like, wait, which team? <laughs> you know, like, which one is the X-Men? Um, and I was only able to ever read X-Men uh, as it pertained to crossovers, right? So I read Avengers vs. X-Men. And I read House of M, you know, which uh, a lot of big effects. Amazing. Yeah, a lot of big effects um, from House of M reverberate through mm-hmm. uh, to this day. To this day, uh, with especially the mutant population. I highly recommend House of M to anybody that wants to get into. It has Avengers, it has X Men, it has everything. Yeah, there's a there's a scene in which they have to tell Peter Parker something that breaks my heart, uh. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that w- I didn't expect to feel that. And I felt, and I think that comics is the best when you when you actually feel those moments. And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't expect to feel uh, much for Jamie just because I didn't think I would get him because that power seems very scatterbrained. But in 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 a weird way, he's very focused. <laughs> Even though he has people in in different directions and stuff, he does have goals and he does uh, believe in the greater good. He does believe in the power of people and and potential, and that's why. He could rationalize himself into letting these dupes live their own lives and stuff. Do you think you would ever get to that point? Given that power, do you think you could ever, like, be a parent? Let your let your creation go, scrape their knees, and I think know? my consciousness would bother me. Yeah, like not my consciousness, my conscience would bother me, and it would just. I don't think I would be able to absorb these duplicates again. It, yeah, I, I would feel bad. It's like killing somebody. Uh, in the beginning, we see that majority of these dupes are, um, like, in the beginning of his uh, creation and in his early years, a lot of these dupes are obedient. They're, they're, um, they don't really give him much fuss or muss. They're extensions of him. Um, but as the character progresses, they end up giving him that little uh, wrinkle of, well, each dupe is a part of your personality or a part of his personality. So you're going to get a dupe that has all his aggression in it. Or you're going to get a dupe that has all his suspicion in it. Or you're going to get a dupe that likes ice cream. <laughs> or you're going to get uh, those versions of him in different bodies. How do you, did you like that change to the character? Or do yeah, you think that complicates things? I thought it was nice. I, I I enjoyed it. It was it definitely complicates things because right. you know he was trying to escape from some place and he made a copy who felt hopeless and, and <laughs> oh, didn't help him. Oh, that's terrible. So it's just uh, they're constantly changing his powers around. 
I s- like you said, it's he's constantly like evolving. Yeah, I saw this panel where he was trying to use the dupes to get over a wall, and um, like he made a couple, and they were all like, "I don't think we want to do this," and he's like. You better help me or I'll absorb you and I'll keep making dupes until I find some that are cooperative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're arguing, you're literally talking to a wall. You're arguing with yourself. You're arguing with yourself. <laughs> you know? um, um, the cooperativeness, though, when he's focused on something, like helping a friend, yeah, they all get on the same page. Okay. So they all feel what he feels, essentially, too. It's... Do you think uh, Jamie Maddox, Madrox is a uh, character who considers himself accountable like is he somebody that would be like my dupe did that but I, i'll you know i got it or is he somebody that's like that wasn't even me that was <laughs> you know that was homie over here because i think that that work it's almost like we're talking about parents we're parentage right like if you have a kid and your kid goes and knocks over somebody's tv you're kind of responsible for the tv um where jamie can kind of just be like oh no he was just a flipped out dupe or I mean, he's had instances like in Fallen Angels when the duplicate fell in love with Siren and she had a relationship with yes, him. Yes, yes, we'll he, get. You. She went to Prime and Prime was like, "That wasn't me." Yeah, but it's. I think he doesn't exactly hold himself accountable for their actions, mm-hmm. and it's and and as he should, he treats them as the individuals that they are. Yeah, even though they are copies of them. Right. Right. Um, you want you want to talk about Sean Madrix? You want to talk about the son of the oh. son of Jamie? You want to talk about Siren here? Well, for those uninitiated, Siren is the daughter of Banshee, famous um X Men, I believe. Uh, Sean, Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy. Uh, around this time, Sean Cassidy had been deceased. He did. I remember him showing up in um as a Horseman of Apocalypse. That's when he uh, came back. Uncanny Avengers, I want to say. That's yeah. when they merged. The... I, I actually really loved that book. That's That I really liked. And it had mutants on it as well. I really liked it because it was the idea that, like, um, people think that we're not getting along. So we need to make a team of both X-Men and Avengers to show everybody that everything's all cool. Meanwhile, they all hate each other. Everyone hates Scarlet Witch for what she did with mm-hmm. M-Day. Rogue is getting a bunch of crap for, for a bunch Rogue. of stuff. Havoc, no one's trusting him because he's the leader of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wasp is, like, Digging havoc and wants to date him. It's a whole, it's a whole crazy thing. But I remember Banshee showing up there, and he was deceased. So, um, when his daughter ends up pregnant with Jamie's, well, you know, Jamie's baby, um, they when the baby is born, when the child is born, they choose to name the child Sean after yeah. the after the deceased father. Um, and Jamie goes to, I guess, hold the child, and reabsorbs. The child, because it was a, a child of a duplicate, and so the child ceases to exist. How does this work? Do so, the do the do the dupes do the dupes exist? Because I remember him saying like, it's at random. Like if he absorbs a dupe, he can't just shoot that dupe back out. You understand? Know exactly. Um, Although one has claimed that he's the quote unquote X factor, and he could pop out at some point. Oh, okay. And he won't even. Know. And this one tried to kill Richter. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But um he so what happened was um he woke up one night. Okay. And apparently he made a duplicate in his sleep. And what a scary what a like what an idea, right? What a scary He must have like hit his hand on something. And um the duplicate was like, you know, um complimenting him like, Oh, you lady killer you and he's like, What? He's like, All right, enough of you. He absorbs a dupe and gains mm-hmm. his knowledge and finds out that the dupe slept with two of his teammates. 
Siren Man. being one of them. Right. So Siren ends up pregnant, and she goes through the whole term pregnancy, the whole nine months, Man. and she decides to have the kid, and she tells him, you know, I, if I remember correctly, she tells him essentially, you can be in the kid's life or not, I'm going to have this kid. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, I'll be in the kid's life, and they decided to be a couple and be together. And he had his first cohesive thought like like you said he's always scatterbrained mm-hmm. and in this instance he was like oh I, I'm, I'm gonna do this i'm really gonna do this so when she gave him the baby and oh and, and the little backstory to that she was in extreme denial when they first told her that her father had passed away she was like oh mutants we're mutants we'll, we'll they come never back. die we never die yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll come back <laughs> so in the instance when she names the baby after her father she it was very heartfelt because she finally admitted yeah. and recognized that he was dead. She basically let him go through the child, like let let the legacy pass the legacy on. And if he was alive, there'd be no legacy to pass because he'd be holding it. Exactly. Um. So that idea there. So when when she gets pregnant, he lets her know off the rip it wasn't him. Uh no. Oh, so he kind of like, oh man, this is sticky. I'll just yeah play like it was me <laughs> when. Well, they didn't reveal who was pregnant per se until a couple of issues in, but another team member, Layla, found a, a pregnancy test in the bathroom, and it was like, who was pregnant? Who well, I, I, I like this novella kind of storytelling here. I like, I, I'm digging this whole. Uh, David. I like it. I like it. Because, like I said, and from the little bit I read, it's it's the human part of it. You, we can go and talk about all the like scientific and genomes and DNA and all that stuff, but those things that happen happen to real people, and mm-hmm. somebody's picking up that book and going. I remember what it was like to see that pregnancy test turn, you know, and, and, and or find one in the trash can. And I knew one of my roommates was pregnant, you know, like these were real, real situations. And um, he still chooses then to take, the, like we're talking about with accountability. In that moment, he could have just been like, oh, listen, you know, it is what it is. And, my baby. and he was given, and he was given a chance. He was given a door out with her being like, you don't have to be here yeah. if you don't want to be here. Which was very, like, amazing of her, I guess. Yeah. Well, Simon's been pretty independent, right? Yeah, she's she's an independent woman. She understands his abilities too, I guess. So. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you want to continue that? So, so the child so is... she gives him. She asks him, "Do you want to hold your son?" And he's like, "Yeah." He holds his son, and all of a sudden, he starts absorbing the kid. It was like, what just happened? So, um, it turns out that when a duplicate has a child, um, mm-hmm. it's not really a child it's a duplicate it's 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 like a parasitic version of a dupe where it mimics the whole pregnancy the whole term it was it was just horrible yeah siren was like what are you doing what are you doing he was like it was he wasn't doing it on purpose yeah it just is a natural occurrence it just happened Mm -hmm. it was just automatically happening and he was like i'm not doing this so she goes and reach out for her baby, and the baby's holding her pinky and just fades from existence. It was oh just my horrible. gosh! I seen one of like I, that moment. He's narrating in his head, and he's like, "I feel it instantly. I can't stop it. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to." And Siren is shattered. She is she like, just lost her dad. Yeah, and you then she lost her kid, who she named after her dad. It's just... And not to you know be too heavy on this but i think that you know comic books does a great job in bringing up like social issues and certain things that people don't talk about and the idea of like stillbirth or losing a baby when getting getting to term and losing a child um is something that's quite 
uh, frequent. Like it happens way more than people it talk does. about it, but people don't speak on it. And um, they consider it taboo. Yeah, it's taboo. And so, so much goes on when that happens uh between what what goes on in the parents minds of like did we do something wrong could they, could there have been something we could have done to prevent it and but ultimately and i remember um i actually had a uh um a friend of mine i was i was in the military and a friend of mine alex uh he got married and um he uh his wife was bearing his child his uh, his son and i was the godfather and the baby ended up not making it she had carried him to term and the baby ended up not making it and i remember first i remember uh going to the um like the wake the funeral and stuff like that and i remember very, being very um angry at the fact that people made child caskets <laughs> like I would, it was just a weird thing to focus on yeah, but i was yeah. there they i was there and i was just like why do these things exist and it yeah, just like it shouldn't exist yeah and but then it just makes you does, and then it just makes you start saying things like well, this isn't fair. Yeah. You know, and, you know, wh- why, like, why even go forward from here? And that is where Jamie and Siren end up being. Like, Jamie, why, why try anything? He gets, he gets extremely depressed after this. He quits the team. Mm-hmm. He grows a beard, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> but, and he was intending to kill himself. Man. Meanwhile, Siren is trying to get past it and she becomes the team leader. For the time being, and okay. and then uh, she's doing her thing. She's a very strong woman. Yeah, and um, so Jamie goes to uh, John Maddox, the duplicate that became a priest, and he tells him what happened. And the priest is like, "Well, you came here so that I can save you, so that you won't kill yourself." But he's like, "No, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> I just want to stop like, by." <laughs> yeah. So at that point, they realize that um, John Maddox's child is not his child. Yeah, I. I, I... I think I read somewhere that um my man Jamie goes to like pet the child or something like that. Like, you know, like one of those good and the child just stays there. Like there's no there's, there's no, no repercussions. Yeah. Uh he he doesn't get reabsorbed like as if he as if, as if he is a duplicate. And it come to find out that uh Mr. John Mad Madrix's wife did not need John for the child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she went and conceived that child on her own. Was that did John know that? He found out after the fact, but okay. not, you know. Yeah. Is he still out and about that? Um, I don't know right now. That's, that's pretty interesting. Because the new series puts another twist on his powers and it changes things up again. So, yeah. I but don't know if he's out there. You get another thing from it, you know, obviously we were talking about like when, when huge tragedy strikes, you start to blame everybody on the outside. And you start to wonder, you know, if, if life is worth living and. Um, can Jamie himself, he can have children, right? Because we see in that miniseries, I think, that he has a son. Yes, he has So the Prime son. can 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 have children? Prime can have kids. He yeah. has a son eventually with Layla Miller. Mm-hmm. His name is Davey Miller. And uh, is Layla the chick from... Not the chick, that's so insensitive. Is, yeah, is she the small girl from House of M? Yes, she has <laughs> She was like six. To... <laughs> well, okay... <laughs> There's a lot of time travel involved. <laughs> it's X-Men, baby. You know, yeah. X-Family, yeah. She she had a lot of character development because Peter David took her from House of M and he put her in an X-Factor Investigations. Mm. And he gave her some unique abilities. And down the line, you find out that she, her powers that she had all this time wasn't really... Yeah, it was it was portrayed that she just knew things. She had like knowledge. Precognition. Yeah, she just could figure things out. 
And then it's like, well, the easiest way to have precognition is if you're from the future. <laughs> so it comes there's, out that uh, Miss Layla might be from the future. Yeah, there's one point where they're sitting, like, everybody's arguing with everybody. Richter with Wolfsbane and uh, Siren with Monet. And um, Layla sits down next to Jamie on the steps and he goes, what about you and me? Are we okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, we're okay. And uh, he, he goes, and what's going to happen to us in the future? And she goes... We're gonna get married, and he's like, like he scoffs at it, like, yeah, come on, what? Kid. yeah, you're what? like a little kid, like, what's wrong? But it turns out, like, during Messiah Complex, Complex, right? Yeah, uh, she ends up in the future, in Bishop's future, with a duplicate, and she ends up staying there and growing into an adult, and she comes back, fun times, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's going back to the Cyclops thing, Cyclops, um. Well, Wolverine, for the most part, Wolverine actually retained his memories from House of M. So he knows that the uh, real, the the huge decline in mutant numbers is due to Scarlet Witch saying no more mutants and altering reality. Uh, but in true super team fashion, they're keeping this a secret. Yeah. Very similar to, and it, it's almost exactly like in Avengers Endgame, the Avengers haven't told everybody that a purple alien came down and snapped everybody mm -hmm. to existence. I mean, even if you knew that was it, would that you know, like, what would it change? So, yeah, like, how would you go about telling people <laughs> or that, fixing it? How would they go about freak out? Yeah, how would they go about fixing it? Were they just going to start walking around trying to look for this guy? So, mm -hmm. in the same sense, um, they do want to recoup their numbers, but they're not necessarily open and telling everybody what happened. Um, eventually. When we see what happens on a little scale, like it gets to a point where um, Rogue wants to kill Scarlet Witch because of everything. Mm -hmm. like she has that deep-seated hatred, like the, because these are her family members. The mutants, you know, um, so their ranks dwindling because a of something lot, like this. A lot of people died. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. so, so horrible. Yeah, I, I remember that page at the end of House of M of like the kids like passed out on the on the on the mm -hmm. the front steps and the, and the hallways. A lot of these mutants, they need their powers to survive. I like, was wondering uh, that, man. Yeah. Chamber needs his powers to survive. He ended up in a hospital for a bit. I was wondering. that. I, I hadn't read the repercussions, but I was like, I, when I saw the kids on the floor, I started to think, well, some of these mutations are helping them live. Like, if, so if you cut that out of them, you know, what what tragic effects could happen from that? And um, that was also one of the reasons why I heard that Jamie was going out and trying to like recoup his dupes because he was just like, this is, this is crazy. You know, we all need to be on the same page and stuff. Um, but another thing that happens with uh, the multiple man is this idea that, you know, you, you hear about like string theory, the idea that there's alternate earths, there's a million infinite earths. And on every infinite earth, you've done every choice. You've, you've made every choice that you can make. But Jamie has that reality here. He can literally make somebody who's made every choice, every opposite choice, you know, a Jamie that decides to go bald, a Jamie that decides to dress like a woman, a Jamie that decides to go and be stand-up comedian. Um, and he says in the in the Marvel Knights book, if I can do everything, what's the fun of doing anything? Mm. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the idea that, like, this fatalism of, like, well... Everything is possible. I can literally do anything I want, so I just don't want to do anything. I don't. I don't like that. You don't like, like that? I understand where he's coming from, but I don't like the fact that it limits him. Yeah, like he can do so much. But then again, I also understand his reluctance to creating copies because he doesn't know when one is going to kill him. Yeah, or try to. Yeah. Um. We we spoke a little bit off air about this, but 
for the most part, they like to portray this man as a villain <laughs> in places that are not comic books. Um, most notably, you have all seen him in X-Men The Last End, uh, where he has quite, a, kind of a, a chunky cameo in that. Like, he, he gets to show off his powers. He's named. Um, and he gets that cool little... Um, psych moment where they show up to yeah where they show up to get magneto's brotherhood of evil mutants because they see a bunch of heat signatures and it's all like that's perfect i thought that was like a perfect way to use him and his character um do you see him coming about now that fox is owned by uh, marvel do you see an x-factor because not to lie reading that x-factor investigation stuff seems like it's built for a small ragtag team movie but we're at a point right now, and we were talking about this off-air, where we have the Doom Patrols, and the Umbrella Academies, and the Titans, and the Suicide Squad, and the Justice League. Can we fit in another X-Factor? Do you think they should? Um, I would love that. Um, originally, t- when... um, What's the series right now on Fox? With the, gifted. The Gifted. Well, yeah. Originally, when The Gifted was being like rumored... Mm-hmm. People were saying it was X Factor Investigations. Ah, that would have been hoping, pretty. Hoping, hoping, but yeah. it ended up not being. But it's still just a good, from what I hear. I don't watch it though. Yeah. But um, I would hope they expand like what they did with uh, Daredevil and and Punisher and go more like into the the gifted route. With, yeah. With Legion and you know and show more mutants. I would love that. And if they did an X Factor specifically X Factor Investigation series, that'd be really cool. It it kind of bugs me that certain mutants get all the spotlight. Like there's a lot of cool mutants in the in the lexicon of 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 uh, characters um, under these X titles, and that's one of the things that interests me about Jamie is that like there is so much depth to this character, but it's not on the outset because he, he doesn't have adamantium claws. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and so maybe in in the same sense that Marvel had to dive deep because they had sold everybody. Maybe they need to look back at that well, you know, and be like, what if there's a world where we couldn't use, uh, um, I'm sorry, a Wolverine, a Cyclops, a Storm, a, could we do with, you know, without them? And what can we do with what we got? It's it's the Deadpool situation, right? They don't, they don't got the uh, luxury of getting uh, Cyclops on their team. You got Negasonic Team Warhead and you got Colossus, you know, and then. A couple of other people, and then everybody dies in X in uh, Deadpool two, mm-hmm. and stuff. And I mean, that is that the closest we're getting to X Force. Like, I'm I'm very curious about that too. Like, is that is that the X Force? I would hope they. I mean, they have the rights right now, so I would uh-huh. hope they actually come out with this movie before they lose the rights. They the they X-Force. they have um the breadcrumb trail. You got Richter was in Lo- Logan, mm-hmm. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's there's one <laughs> there's one there. Uh, Shadowstar was in X Force, but then. You know, he kind of got got, uh, but you can, there's a, I, 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 uh, sorry, I especially like the women of X Factor. I think they're all very interesting, very strong, very, uh, independent. You spoke, speaking about Lila, you have, uh, a Wolf's Bane, that's R- Renee. Oh, yeah. Renee um, Sinclair. Yeah, I believe the name is Renee. No, Rain, Rain. Rain Sinclair, Sinclair Rain Sinclair. Yeah, her character's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Her, she was abused by her father, who was also a, a priest. And crazy she was Catholic, like constantly being told that she had a demon inside her, and that her mutant powers was like demonic, and she was evil, and so she deals with a lot of self hatred, and she she grows a lot during X Factor investigations. Yeah, relig- religious that. guilt is real, man. Religious guilt is super real, and when you've been, when you're born as you are, and you're being told that some part of you 
is not natural or some part of you is not what God intended and therefore you are less than or, you know, you're looked at as, I mean, she was literally a monster at one point. Um, what that does to a psyche and yeah. to have that implanted on you. And it's it's one thing to like, oh, my church, you know, is looking at me a certain way. But this is her father. Like, you know, this is somebody mm-hmm. that she loves and respects. This is where she gets That's your she morality gets from. Conflict. Yeah, you, you get your morality from, like, your parents, your parents where you're raised. And so to be raised and believe that what she is and who, what she's become is, is just plain wrong, is it, that kind of sucks. So to know that um, there is a, that heaviness there, but then she'll bump into Jamie and they'll sit there and they'll joke around. You know, like, and, and she's a regular woman to Jamie. Like, there's no, you know, they there might be jokes here and there, but there. I love how, for the most part, any of these people by themselves can be ostracized by how, just by, uh, by how they look, how their mutant abilities are, and stuff like that. And there's an easy way that somebody could just um, hand wave somebody like Jamie. Eh, he's just, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they value each other on this team, and they care about one another. And um, that's the social message that X Men's always been trying to send. You know, so this idea discriminating. That these fringe, yeah, that these fringe people um, that you may not understand uh, where they come from or why they are the way that they are, uh, if you don't make the judgment early on, they could probably potentially be very key members of your life. You know, you don't you don't know that. And at certain points, everyone kind of feels like an outcast. Everyone kind of feels like they're out on the fringe or they're not getting it or they're not doing they're on the same path as everybody else and stuff. Um, But imagine living that every day. You know, we were talking before about um, cosplay and the all-inclusiveness of cosplay. And it's that idea, too. Like, sometimes you'll see somebody be like, um, you can't uh, be bishop. Like, anyone can be bishop. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Be <laughs> like, or, you know, you can't be Captain America. I'm 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 a Hispanic Captain America when I go out. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I dig it. I, I served twice, you know, two tours overseas. I'm just as entitled to these red, white, and blue as anybody else in the world. And I... And these comics, we're just as entitled to these characters and their plight and their strengths and their weaknesses as anybody else. Um, and I think that, like you were saying before, X-Men and the X-Titles really personify that, that all-inclusiveness. Um, how, do, how do you feel that has aged? Because before it was obviously an allegory to like um, racism in the 70s, you know, the 60s, uh, civil rights movement and stuff like that. But I think now it's branched out to sexuality, religion, all those things there. And um, Madrox even has a little bit. He's on the spectrum of of a sexuality. Yeah, he his has dupes, a gay duplicate out there. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his dupes uh, range from the straightest to straight, I guess, to the gayest to gay. I guess. I mean, if you're looking up and down the scale, and he has no problem with it. There's no like, uh, let's not hang out with the gay dupe. Nah, he's very woke on that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think it has evolved. But it's oh, it's it's like throughout history, if we don't learn from history, we're repeating it, and we're constantly repeating it. As yeah, a, as a species, as a whole, like it's always somebody fighting for their rights, rights that they should have already. It just makes yeah. no sense to me. And it, it, you, like you said, with history repeating itself, there's always an other. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I find, and I was having this conversation when we were talking about the Vision book because, uh, you know, Vision is a robot, and what makes a human, you know, and when you start getting into rights with that, and who gets to choose who's a human, and it leads to this conversation of like um being valid or validation Sentience. and yeah yeah and then and then you start playing around with well um you know who gets to say who's what right like i'm 
Hispanic, and that guy says he's Hispanic, but because I'm Hispanic, I get to say whether or not he is. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so this idea that because I'm part of this group, somebody else is declaring that they are also, I get to tell them whether they're not or not. I'm human, so I get to pick what a human is. Or I'm, uh, you know, gay, so I get to pick. You remember all that, like, Ruby Rose, you're not gay enough stuff for Batwoman? Like, they were telling her that she wasn't gay enough because Batwoman, the character, was gay, even though Ruby Rose, the actress, is gay. And so it's like this weird thing, like, where do I get my stamp? Who who yeah. t- who, who stamp- validates me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Who stamps me and says, I I am, you know, worthy of, of love or respect or rights and all this other kind of stuff. And um, people feel endangered by that. Like the idea that an other can come and be on the same playing field as them. It almost devalidates their situation when they when everyone's on the same we're all playing the same game yeah i'll never that's what i i don't especially when it's a mar a person from a marginalized group that gets discriminated upon discriminating mm-hmm. somebody else all the time all i the don't time. understand that at all we talk about uh the suffrage olympics you understand this idea that like um you know one group that's marginalized will come on and be like you know well you know you know, uh, full rights for everybody. And then some other group that's marginalized would be like, yeah, for everybody. And then they'll be like, well, not for you guys. Cause you guys are, don't have it as bad as we do. You and then somebody else would be like, well, you don't have it as bad as we do. And it's like, are we really having a competition with who, who's getting treated the worst? Like we really have to go back and like, we should all be all fingers on the same hand, but instead everyone's going on out on their own and trying to serve their best interest. Their, their subgroups best interest. Could you imagine if the characters of X Factor were like, we all deserve respect, but not the X Men? You know, mm-hmm. like, you all, we all fighting for the same thing here. Exactly. And so it, it, um, I think it's so crazy that that still exists to this day. And I think it's just fear of what you don't know. That's one of the oldest. Don't know and don't understand. Yeah, you don't know, you don't understand. Um, if we just become educated on other people and their plights, we'll see that everybody's basically the same. Yeah. We're all trying to live life. We're all trying to be happy. We're all trying to make it by. We're all waiting for the X-Men to come to the MCU. You understand? That's what <laughs> like, no matter race, color, creed, uh, we're all waiting for that. But if they were to come to the MCU, you know, there would have to be some casting. But the rumors that were bubbling was that James Franco was going to try to develop a multiple man movie prior to uh, Fox being absorbed by Disney. How did you feel about that? And how do you feel about the casting of Dave Franco? Oh, not Dave, James Franco. James Franco, yeah. Um, the, the Green Goblin himself, or Green Goblin Jr. New Goblin? New Goblin. Uh, yeah, Extreme Goblin, goblin with Green the goblin. with the snowboard and <laughs> the X Games Goblin. I like that guy. Um, I was open to it. I, uh, I'm i personally uh, I let them see how they do type of person. Okay. And James Franco is a great actor. Um, he's had movies where I didn't really like his acting, but they're, most of the movies that he's done, I've liked his acting. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people gave Heath Ledger like schlack when they picked him because, again, because of, I guess, uh, his previous movies and they were judging him based on that. Oh, even though I, like the, how, I like the Night's Tale. Look how that, look how that came out. Look how uh, Heath Ledger's Joker came out. It came out awesome. So I'm I'm just wait and see how the actors do before I before I judge uh before I judge them. I don't like to judge them before like when they're casting. Prior to this news, had you heard or had you been hired to be on the casting team? Do you think you you can cast the team at Madrox? Is there an actor out there that you think? Oh um ooh what's his name? Brant Brant Daughtry. 
I, I ran into this fan cast a while back on Google, and Brent Daughtry was fan casted by somebody out there. Whoever you are, thank you. I think this guy looks exactly like Madrix. I'm I putting think... him up now. Yeah, you know what? He kind of does. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting him up right now. Brent. And his name is literally Brent. B-R-A-N-T. I've never heard of that name before. Um, He was in Pretty Little Liars, for those who have seen Pretty Little Liars. Uh, Yeah, no, this... No, I can I can definitely see this. I'm trying to see what other movie. he was in Fifty Shades Freed uh, for those kinky uh, listeners out there. Um, yeah, no, I, I I dig that. I dig that. But the James Franco movie got uh got nixed. Yes, it did. It did. It definitely got nixed. Um, when thinking about that, like when I heard the Multiple Man movie, the first thing I thought of was his cameo in X Men Three, and I was like, wait, there's a there's a movie for that because again, I didn't. I was that was my blind spot. I was like, how are you going to make a whole movie about that until I realized all the things you can do with the character? Because he can do so much with the character, would you rather a multiple man movie or an X-Factor movie if you had to choose? Hmm, that's a good question. Do you think he played... Because I've heard this also about Deadpool. Like, certain people rather Deadpool be a foil on a team. Not a foil, but like the comic relief on a team as opposed to the focus being on him. And some people rather just the focus being on him with no one in his way. I would like uh, the first movie, uh, if they do Zoom, but I would like the first movie uh, to be focused on him. Just him? Yeah. And if you want, like, introduce these X-Factor, the ro- the, the roster, like, in the movie, and maybe set it up for another movie? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. They There's so much to dive into with a character like his, especially with, with that new ripple of the more um, disobedient, or I guess free-minded dupes we'll say we won't say disobedient because not everybody should be obedient right like you they, they're just free-minded uh these free-minded duplicates um and this multiple personality disorder that my man uh deals with sometimes he literally seems um like he'll, he'll take on i one of the issues i saw he legit was blackout drunk and he had not even sipped a single alcoholic beverage yeah, but he absorbed the dupe okay. That had a had a hell of a night, and so he was drunk. Like, um, sometimes he absorbs these dupes, and he doesn't realize if whether or not he's went out and done some of these things, or the duplicate has. The that, memories overlap, so he he doesn't know who did what exactly per se. How crazy is that? That's insane. Um, and it makes me think of the uh, very informative uh, documentary series Rick and Morty. Have you ever seen this? <laughs> I watched Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty, uh, especially the episode Me Seeks and Destroy, where you are creating um, life, real life people to do a task. And then after the task is done, they cease to exist. Um, and it makes you question the the ethics of that. Right. Yeah. Like if you are creating life and you can you can snap your fingers literally and create a dupe. Um, what do you owe that dupe now that it's he- that he's here? It do you owe it anything? Him. Yeah, it comes back to the whole sentience talk that we were talking about with, like, with vision. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they are their own person. It's even worse with in this situation because with vision, you could always just argue back the semantics of, well, he's a robot or he's a synthesoid. Um, but you, you poke a uh, Madrox, he's in a bleed. You understand? Yeah. Like these are for every, you take any one of these guys to a doctor and they will tell you this is a human man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so... Do you get to just willy nilly create and take away life? Do, do what? What responsibility do you have to your dupes? Um, and 
you know, the burden of existence. Existence is a burden sometimes. You hear you hear sometimes like somebody be like, um, uh, a child will angrily yell at his parent. Like, I never asked to be here. Like, what did you, you're yelling at me for this, but I didn't even, you know, like you made me. Like, I didn't even, and think about that on the adult level. Think about just randomly waking up, being conscious and being told, all right, uh, just go over to that guy. He's going to stab you. I just need you to get stabbed because mm-hmm. I need somebody to take the hit. And then I'm going to come up. you be like, wait, no, hold on. Calm down. Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> exactly. And so when some of these guys uh, choose to disobey Jamie, it's not just to be jerks or it's not just to be contrarian. Because they want to live. Yeah. And sometimes they straight up just don't agree. Like with that, with um, in the uh, in the Marvel Knights run, they were trying to break into somebody's house and they're like, Breaking into people's houses is not cool. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and it's like, well, we got to go do it to get the evidence for it. And they're like, no, well, for what? And um, I think I think that's cool because I think it also speaks to the idea of the children. Like we were saying, like, he can't have children. Well, sorry, the dupes can't have children. But with having these dupes, he does have things that he can be proud of. Right? Ones that can go out there and achieve great things. Like, he legit does feel that stuff with John. Like, he wanted him to live his own life like he legit felt proud and felt like this guy has went and and done some great things um and in a world like comics that becomes very pessimistic where somebody on the team is always evil and somebody on the team is always turned and um the idea that he can be manipulated for him to see what he deemed as a pure copy of him you know doing the best he could and improving other people's lives that had to have made him proud even without having an actual baby child yeah. yet he actually named two his kid after their father so did he that was yeah daniel uh, that was pretty nice yeah that's pretty legit and he he felt something out of that too he was like you named him after our dad yeah that was pretty cool. and i said like um with him letting all these dupes out and you see like these extensions of him going out sometimes you forget about the prime the very real <laughs> the very human the very um you know uh stressed oftentimes prime and so it would be cool to see him do a solo movie where you get to see him um tackle all these very very difficult situations and all these um difficult like these, these mentalities i can never even consider half of the things that were going on with him i also heard about this one death that he gave one of his uh one of the people that he was fighting he was fighting a man named Seamus Mellencamp and I, I heard and he correct me if I'm wrong or correct me anytime when I'm saying this if I'm wrong but um in fighting with this gentleman he chose to put his hand in his mouth and place a duplicate inside of this man's body yeah. and then the dupe grows to full to full size and basically rips the man from the inside out yeah, Seamus was like gouging the eyes of a duplicate. Oh my gosh! So, uh, and Seamus, he looked kind of like alien, like an alien. Okay. From aliens. Yeah. So, um, the big old head. Yeah. So, <laughs> the duplicate or prime maybe just punched his mouth and put his mouth in it and then slammed the floor and then boom, instant, instant kill. Oh it my was, god, that's like fatality was, levels of yeah, <laughs> of I, stuff right there. I have that issue. Oh it, was, it was gruesome. It was pretty sick. Yeah. But it shows you that he can get there. Does he get there often? Does he get... Is he a, an emotional fighter? James? Um, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There was another instance where uh, in the X-Factor Investigations run, he did that. He put his fingers in this guy's mouth and he goes, if I make a copy, I can kill you right now. Mm. So basically, you know, Threatening him. Yeah, threatening him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Gun, the gun to his mouth, basically. <laughs> basically. 
It oh. was uh yeah, he's very an emotional fighter. He gets like uh at one point one of his teammates, I think it was Monet, was hurt and uh he created a whole bunch of duplicates to confront the guy that hurt her and um all the duplicates were on the same page because they were so focused on, you know, getting revenge for their teammate. Ah, well that's still love there. I dig that, I dig that. Um eventually because of that whole Fox stuff with uh, with the X-Men. And because of the five-star movie we were going to get, uh, IMAX of the Inhumans, uh, Marvel decides to shuffle out the X-Men for the Inhumans and uh, try to give more prominence to the team of Inhumans as opposed to the X-Men because of their prominence that they were going to have in the MCU. Yeah. And so that leads to the Inhumans versus X-Men event, but that kicked off with Sort of, kind of, the death of Jamie Madrox when he again. is um, it, again, where he is exposed to the Terrigen Mist, and um, we find out that the Terrigen Mist is fatal to mutants. Um, what a horrifying scene Patience of just out. of just thousands of Madrox just dead, and they did they you know we read his miniseries that they did last year, and there's a scene of that too where all the Madrox just die and they legit have to call in damage control with like forklifts and just bodies and just the idea, like just the, the idea, like even if it was a friend of mine, you know, the idea, like, like can you imagine seeing your best friend dead a thousand oh. times all over the floor and we're just picking up bodies. We never stop picking up bodies and putting them away. And yeah, what a sight and what a gruesome way to die. He has actually died a lot of times. Even is during, it a situation where they keep switching him out for a dupe? It was uh, it was weird. So his powers are constantly evolving, constantly changing. So during the X Factor investigations run, Peter David had a, a storyline called "They Keep Killing Madrix," and what happened was um, he he got stabbed by a demonic possessed dupe mm-hmm. with a sword right through his chest, and he died. He woke up in another dimension where the prime of that world just died and he started to wonder like is this how my powers work when i make copies of myself am i actually pulling different versions the of prime, myself different primes from, from different from universes? the multiverse yeah and that's a cool little theory yeah he, he even he doesn't know how his powers work like he even he makes whatever he's holding his clothes yeah. or even in his hands a gun money he can copy that too oh see i didn't know that i realized it with the clothes that's a that's a uh you know, important, <laughs> you know, if you're making duplicates. But I didn't know about the money. That would actually make sense, too. Like, if, if he had a hat and he duplicates himself, the other, the dupes have hats, right? They have the hats. Oh, it's it's okay. weird. So they don't really know where. Because his power is similar to Hank Pym and the Hulk. It's they, they, they acquire mass somehow. Their mass acquisition is, they say it's from another dimension sometimes. Because mm-hmm. you can't just create mass out of nowhere. So that's what they say is that they're acquiring this mask from another dimension. Like that whole like energy never dies kind of. <laughs> yeah. So like in um in this storyline where they keep killing Madrix, he ends up in this alternate universe. In this alternate universe, funny as you mentioned earlier, in in uh, in six one six, the main universe of the Marvel, uh, he creates a copy as a normal human person like him. In this other universe, he creates a copy. Each copy has a different ability, a different oh, power. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. scary. <laughs> and then when he died in that dimension, he ends up again in another dimension, and it just kept on going. I I think I heard of this series, and I I was it in this series that in one of the dimensions Captain America's like Deathlock or something. Mm-hmm. 
And another uh in another dimension he was the apprentice of uh Doctor Strange, which okay. is pretty cool. He had a cool cloak costume yeah. going on. Uh but yeah, it was so like multiple man is like cannon father for <laughs> I guess Marvel because they keep they literally keep killing magics. What do you I, um how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the fact I mean with the idea that they keep killing him, that still puts him in books, right? Like I I don't I, as somebody who has an affinity for the character, would you rather him be put on ice or would you rather him literally be the Kenny of South in South Park of <laughs> of Marvel? Uh give me my Kenny. I need my magic spell. Okay, you know, okay. I need I need him around um the thing is, when they killed him off in Avengers vs. X-Men with the Terrigen Mist, I didn't, I perceived it not to be him. Okay. And I thought it was a duplicate because the one that died at Muir Island didn't have the M tattoo. Okay. And a lot of people like online were agreeing. They were like, wait, but he didn't have the M tattoo. But so then, it could be. per the new series, it it is Prime that died. Yes. And now a duplicate has become the new Prime. So, um, up until the, uh, it, it, I think it. No, I'm sorry. In Humans vs. X Men was two years ago, so um, one year ago, or a couple months ago, really, is when this Multiple Man uh, miniseries came out. So from from then to the miniseries, no word on Madrox. Like from his death to that miniseries that came out in 2018, did they not? Like he was just dead. Like they just. I believe he made uh, some sort of cameos during this time. Like, uh, well, it wasn't really him; it was duplicates. Like, uh, right. in She-Hulk, he made an appearance temporarily when she was defending uh, Captain America, um, and he was like a celebrity lawyer. The duplicate. Yes, I've heard about Matt Rocks. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a uh, you know kind of shysty lawyer uh, dupe um, uh, who uh, assists She-Hulk in, in in some of her lawyering duties. I heard that She-Hulk run is pretty fun. Uh, that that run was good, but I only collected uh the ones with uh Matt Rock. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, it's and so it's it's curious that he didn't die right away. Uh, uh Matt Rocks once. Per the new series, apparently every duplicate is dead. Yeah, like they they once again evolved his powers. Mm-hmm. So if Prime dies, the duplicates eventually are on a timer to die too. Yeah. So who knows if John Maddox is still out there. And it also might be like a distance thing, right? Like it could be how close you are to the prime when he dies because um we 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 do see that every dupe has a a timer, you know. Um but we also saw many drop right with him. So I wonder if it is some sort of like the farther you are away, you'll get those repercussions, <laughs> you know, they'll catch up to you eventually and stuff like that. But I think that that's interesting. What what's his healing like? Well, now 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 he's dead. But when when he could heal, um, if a dupe gets stabbed, does he feel that stabbing, or is it when he reabsorbs the dupe that he might feel that stabbing? Um, if I remember correctly, it lessens the effect. I I know that if he gets poisoned, yeah, and he was to create copies, it would spread out the poison disperse between the, the so that it wouldn't dupes. be fatal. Okay. That's pretty I, cool. I know that. That's like that whole vibrating through the poison thing that the flash does. That's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's pretty legit. And yeah, because I was wondering about like scarring, because we like I said again, we get we get the M tattoo. Um, because because they weren't too upfront with why the heck all these mutants were gone. They decided they need to go to Bishop's future to find out what the heck is going on with everything. And that's when you were talking about with Lila Miller and him go to that concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um. And they get like treated like garbage. They basically, you know, have their heads shaved. They're mutants. 
to get those uh, mutant M tattoos, which are stylish, but I wouldn't want one put on me. You know what I'm saying? I actually have a friend who has that tattoo. Legit, legit. Yeah. What do you th- What do you think? It's cool. It's really brave of him. Uh, he uses makeup when he goes to work. Okay. To hide it every day. Yeah. It okay. looks It looks really good though. Yeah. I mean, Brandon, man. Some people, you know. I'm. I. I, I wish I had that. That level of fandom in me, but um. I I I do think it, it adds a bit of roguishness. To the aesthetic of Madrox. You know, you got the trench coat. You got cool, edgy tattoo and stuff like that. But um, we, I guess we could wrap this up talking shortly about the that miniseries that we were talking about. And because this thing is one of the most confusing and convoluted series I've ever read in my life, um, I'll try to do my best to surmise it by saying that they believed, well, they the main Jamie Prime is dead. And so no one's expecting to see any more Madroxes anywhere, but one ends up coming about. And after the all, after the whole uh, adventure of the miniseries takes place, one of the dupes is able to inject himself with a serum that makes him the uh, Jamie Prime. So while we start the series with no Jamie Prime and a war of dupes, and it gets out of control, different timelines, different dimensions, all kinds of stuff. Um, it ultimately leaves us on a cliffhanger uh, with the idea that we might get our Jamie Prime back. Um, does that excite you? And I know that you've read a little bit more of what happens to this Jamie Prime in Uncanny X-Men, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like what they're doing? Or is this all, um, what do they call it? Like, Is this all something that's going to get retconned with the next big, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Next big. Um, it might get retconned. Right now, uh, uh... The person that's riding in the saddle is Matthew Rosenberg. He's he changed uh, multiple man's abilities once again. Um, instead Fun of um, <laughs> it could be it could also be like theorized that the serum itself changed his abilities. That's true. Since they made a duplicate into Prime, maybe that duplicate doesn't have the the past power set that Prime had himself. Not to mention that I don't necessarily think that Beast is the one you should be trusting with serums because he tried one on himself and things did not go well. So you probably want to start, you know, uh, dealing with that because yeah, Beast Beast gets a little bit tricky with his serums. You know, that man is, uh, you know, he's he's in on his own thing there. Just recently, he made one that's uh, not good. Not good. Uh, it's not doing spoiler well. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. I feel. You, I feel. You, I feel. You. Um. Yeah, um, I do like the the change. Um, and the new Uncanny, he he Prime can only make duplicates now instead of uh, him and the duplicates also making duplicates. Okay. Um, so it's only Prime that can make duplicates, but the amount that he can make is still immense. It's it's crazy. They went to his farm, and there was a whole bunch. Oh, so of he's him. back on his farm. Yeah, he was back on his farm temporarily, but there was like a whole bunch of duplicates everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. They changed his powers a little bit. Um, there was something that was happening during the storyline where his powers were, um, he had like, I kind of want to keep it spoiler free in case anybody wants to read okay. X Men, but he had something different with his powers, and okay. then you find out why later okay. on in the series. Cool, cool. Um, as of now, is he a, is he a big player in Uncanny? Um, right now, yes. Okay. Right now, yes, because something happened during this Uncanny run, and um, 
again, spoiler free. Yeah, I, yeah, I know uh, you. I know you're trying to be as tight lipped about this because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. No, no, I feel you. And and th- th- that's another thing. You know, um, I, I I've done so many different comic uh, reviews on this, and for the most part, when I do it and I have a co-host, I try to tell them like I love things like comics explain the comic storyian, but you need to experience the story. Like you need to sit and read it and have the page turn. There's nothing like the literal mind movie that you go through reading a comic and the idea like the dynamic of the page turn is something that cannot be replicated (laughs) in most things. There's been so many times I've turned a page and go, what? Oh my God. In, um, in the mini series, there's a part where one of the dupes cuts off the head of another dupe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what what does this mean? (laughs) And it's just a page turn. You think everything's cool. You see the dot, dot, dot of somebody saying a sentence. And then you turn the page and the whole world changes. Literally. I I feel like that only happens in comic books. Or uh, with Sean. Sean Magic. Oh, yes. Yes. I turn the page and he's absorbing him. I'm like, what just happened? Your heart just drops. Your heart drops. So um, I'm glad that you're keeping things uh, spoiler free. Because I do think that these things have to be experience. And I'm hoping that this episode gives people more of an insight into a uh, lesser known but as important character uh, in, in these X-Books here. So, Uncanny is running concurrently with Gold, Red, and Blue? Um, Red, if I remember correctly, I was reading it. I think it's stopped right now. So, I, I think Gold, Blue, I think all these books are like, they led into Uncanny, including the Multiple Man miniseries. Uh, but to answer your question, though, he's, um, right now he is prominent because he's part of a team that's investigating what happened and they're being led by somebody that, eh, I can't reveal who it is, but. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're trying to figure out what happened, what's happening with what? Um, something happened to the X-Men and they're trying to figure out what exactly happened to them. Spoiler free. Ah, uh, I dig that, I dig that. Hmm. I really do think that this is. I really do hope that this is somebody that they end up uh, getting interest in when it comes to live action. Because ultimately, miniseries aside, that's how people get their love for these things. It's the easiest medium to translate. Um, and I think the guy's hilarious. I think all the all the uh, the idea of these duplicates um, not listening or going out there and becoming a, a priest, a monk, uh, you know, a, 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 Hulk? a Hulk, a spy, a, a sorcerer supreme. All that stuff, and then literally one that hangs out at a, at a beach bar all day and stuff. Did you see that? Um, uh, in that miniseries, uh, at one point he sends all his dupes to go uh, get various members of the Avengers to help, or like just various members of any team to help. And um, it's it's inferred that that one that was at the bar was at was in the '90s issue of the swimsuit issue of, of Marvel. Yeah, that was a nice little <laughs> Easter egg. I remember that when I was young. It, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, why would these superheroes be in, in you know, Speedos with their, with their, their logos, logos, with their logos yeah, on them? Uh, that's crazy. That's a, that's a dedication to branding. I don't think uh, I'm ready for it. Um, speaking of dedication to branding, I know you're a huge fan of, of Multiple Man. How much Multiple Man merch do you have? Well, there's a man showing me his phone case. <laughs> I I make my own stuff sometimes. Like awesome. I, I just made I made a phone case. I made what I did was uh, there's a cover of X Factor. I forgot what issue where it shows his face. It's uh-huh. a very detailed 
uh, cover. It's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Shows his face and it shows his logo in the background. What I did was I photoshopped his face out mm-hmm. and kept the logo only. And from that, mm-hmm. I made this the phone case. I've I recently made uh, swim trunks. Ah, oh, that's pretty tight. Yeah, I've made uh, tank tops, shirts. I've seen the shirts. Those are all yours. Those are all. Um, I buy my main shirt from Spreadshirt. Is this okay. dude that has the perfect iteration, I think, of of his logo of his shirt. Mm-hmm. But there are some that I delve and I make my own. Okay. You know? But it's all per what what I'm cosplaying. Per okay. Se. I see. What's the difference between the green and red? The, sorry, the green and yellow and the red and black. Is that, ah. is, that, is, that, is that a distinction? The red and black was uh, another one of his appearances when he was dead. Okay. Uh, when Gene was coming back, the mm-hmm. adult Gene, mm-hmm. uh, they showed the X Men traversed inside like what was like a giant egg, mm-hmm. if you will, and it was like a, a world created by the Phoenix. Okay. And within that world, they were fighting members of X-Men, X-Force, and X-Factor that had died. Oh, wow. And all of them were wearing uniforms that were red and black. Oh, okay. So that's where I got that. I was like, wow, ah, I can cosplay this. That's Which I haven't done yet, but I assembled everything together. Okay. So pretty soon at a con, I'll be resurrected Phoenix. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've seen those photos. They're amazing. How do you... Um, I, I'll see if we can find a way to tag those in the in the show notes as well. Like, I think people should see them. But... um. Basically, it's you as Madrox with all your dupes <laughs> in various locations where all you guys are doing uh, different activities. All you and your dupes are doing different activities. Do you find that hard to come up with different expressions, different motions, different? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it is extremely hard because you got to really think like, what can I do next? What do I do? What should I do? Um, recently, I teamed up with uh, a friend of mine, Christopher Batiste, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he... We did like a forty duplicate shot. Oh wow! Yeah. So and he was just like taking the pictures, and I was just trying Mo- to moving decide. around and stuff. Yeah, trying to decide what to do. I had a duplicate peeing on a wall, <laughs> but you don't see it. Right, 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 right. And then uh, the another duplicate, like like bad, uh, scolding him, like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, man? right, right, right. Oh, uh, it's gotta be fun. Yeah. So I, but yeah, it was it was difficult because I was like, I was asking him at some point, like, "What should I do?" And he was, you know, him and his friend, uh, his assistant were insightful on what else I could do during the poses. But it's, you got to really think like multiple personalities. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- That idea came up organically? Is that something you always wanted to do? The picture? Like the, that. Dupes? Yeah. I've been doing all these pictures with duplicates for a while, but um, I have a friend. Mm-hmm. And he's also a multiple man fan. And I found him, I think, through the hashtag. On okay. Instagram, yeah, I ended up adding him on Facebook. He does these shows, uh, Photoshop's stuff, his photo manipulations as well. Yeah, um, the most he did, I think, was a uh, thirty-two or so, uh-huh. and it was like, hey, it's my birthday today. Count how many duplicates, and that's how old I am. And right, I thought that was pretty clever. And I, I, the most I've ever done before that was twenty or so. Okay. So I was like, yo, I want to top this. I want to go it, for it, more. That, that's legit. Like, Jamie, like, you're legit like, wait, if, if, is this the ceiling? Can we do more? Can I get more? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, Do you find when looking, uh, like, because we're in a much more uh, connected world now, especially in social media. Do you find that you finding more Madrock fans, uh, like, in comparison when you first started reading uh, Marvel Knights and stuff like that? 
Um, I think so. Yeah. Like, are they all uh, still? Are they all still hiding? Are they still? Do you, do you still have to kind of like pull them out? Like I gotta reabsorb them. Yeah, yeah. You um, have to. Say, that's what happens. They live um, in their own lives. <laughs> when, when I did the X Factor investigations at a con one time, New York Comic Con, I ran into a guy dressed up as Magic. It was so great because the thing I like about this character is he's so obscure that not a lot of people like him. Yeah. But then a lot of people do like him. Right, right, right. And I'm constantly searching the multiple man hashtag on Instagram and I'm constantly seeing other people. This guy went to a con and he was making, which I want to do one day too, he was making his own multiple man shirts mm-hmm. and he said, hey, if you see me, I'll give you a shirt. Be a dude. Oh, that's pretty cool. That was really clever. Um, I've seen two different sets of twins. I've seen the twins, yeah. That's pretty, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. I wish I had a twin. <laughs> that was a pretty and cool idea. that was pretty cool, too. But I like, like, finding fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, at, at the same Comic-Con with that dupe, I ran into, um, who's now a friend of mine. Her name is Anita. She did uh, Shatterstar, but she uh-huh. was like, it was just gender bend Shatterstar. Oh, okay. And it was amazing. It was from the X-Factor Investigations run. And um, she, I was just standing on the side with my friend, and he was taking pictures because he's like a really pro cosplayer. Mm-hmm. And then um, she comes along beside me. And she's like, "Excuse me, can can we take a photo together?" And I look at her, and I'm like, "Oh my!" Of God, course, yes. yeah, like, of course, yeah. We, f- I photoshopped like X Factor covers from that, but she did such an amazing job as uh, Shatterstar. It, it's it's incredible to tell you the truth because um, I've gone as Cap a couple of times, and. It's cool to fist bump other caps. It's cool to nod off to other buckies. You ain't got to say nothing. You're like, you know. (laughs) You know. And it's such a cool, inclusive experience. Like I said again, like, no no one ever looks at somebody else in the same cosplay and goes, like, I'm better. It's always like, yeah, this is cool. Like, we're on the same team. Like, we're doing the same thing. Plus, with multiple, man, it's like, oh, well, who's the dupe? Exactly. Somebody got to be the prime. Oh, man, I dig that. You think you can let us in on what you might be doing this year for Comic-Con? Do you know? Mm. oh yes actually yes i have some plans but one of them is uh the duplicate that you that becomes prime at the end of the series uh-huh he's That's wearing pretty like cool. yeah the, the hawaiian he's shirt. so chillax he's wearing shades <laughs> a hawaiian shirt he's got the beard he has a beard yeah. which is that's dope yeah um uh he has the multiple man shirt underneath the hawaiian shirt he has like cargo shorts and sandals <laughs> he's so chilling i think he had a drink too yeah right? yeah definitely i want to do that one because it seemed it looks so comfortable yeah um and also he had a duplicate that became a sorcerer supreme yeah with the beard with the longer beard <laughs> yeah i have he had um that duplicate had um cloaks cloaks uh, cloak yeah so i already ordered it i'm waiting it for it to get um like uh what is that called like manufactured? No, when they uh tailored it. Oh, okay. I'm waiting for the woman that created it to tailor it per my measurements. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I already got like the, the jacket to wear underneath. Oh. What else I need for that? Oh, and I got the hand wrap. That's pretty much done. I'm waiting for the cloak. Yeah. But that one's going to be fun too. I want to do it and say what's up to Matthew Rubenberg. He'll be like, hey, what's up? Uh, I dig that. I dig that. No, I really hope that um we start seeing some more exposure for this character. I really dig it. And I uh thank you so much for being on this because i it legit seems like somebody that you're excited to talk about and passionate to talk about and that makes uh every one of these episodes great because there is so many corners to the comic book world that are unexplored and the best part about comics is that there's enough people out there that love them enough 
that they'll escort you to, the, to those places. Like, oh, you, you've never read that book? Let me in, let me lead you, you know, in. Or you want to know about this character? Let me lead you in. Like, it's not one of those things like, oh, you don't know, then you're out. It's one of those things. Like, yeah. people are constantly. Well, people do have that elitist oh, attitude, which it, I it happens sometimes. Like. But um, I love when my friends come up to me and they ask me questions. And I'm just like, oh, well, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, and I just, like, lead them into it. I get, um, I, uh, I've become the, like, well, actually guy, and I didn't like it. Like, I've been reading these books and doing my homework and for this cast and all this kind of stuff sometimes. Well, yeah, (laughs) that now when somebody says something like ridiculous, because, you know, sometimes people just say ridiculous things. Sometimes you'll bump into a wrestling fan that'll be like, and you know, Kane and Undertaker are really brothers, right? And you, Uh, you gotta be like, like, do I, yeah, think that, uh, Yokozuna is actually Japanese. Yeah, it's like, do I, do I, (laughs) that's funny. Do I um do I correct them right here on the spot? Or do I do just I, let it be? Do I just let the let it be and let them keep thinking this? And I don't want to be one of those people that's like, well, yeah. actually, what the real in, in 2002, you know. Um, but it happens now. And it never used to happen before, but now it's happened where people be like, Oh yeah, and this person died. And I'm like, Oh uh, there's, there's well, actually <laughs> I'm not gonna mention it, but there's a comic website, a certain comic website that uh-huh. posts clickbait articles like a lot. And they had posted um Is they it said cool? I'm not gonna say <laughs> who I don't wanna name names. <laughs> I mean I think they know who they are when I say this. And you know but, who um, you are and you should be ashamed. Let me just say that right now. They posted that uh Rogue was Professor X's daughter, and that's not what? what happened in the story. So Zandra, Professor X's daughter, she has telepathy like her dad. Mm-hmm. So when she hatched out of her egg, she put up a psychic uh, defense. It's like an automatic psychic defense where she was scared. So she took on Rogue's appearance oh, wow. to protect herself. Right. It was all in their heads. It was her, her telepathy. And then because of that, they didn't even... They didn't even. I mean, they explained it in the article, but the art, the headline was like, "Rogue revealed to be Professor X and Lalandra's love child." And I'm like, "No." Well, that reminds me of uh, Cap's evil, and he's definitely not brainwashed. Yeah, definitely yeah. not brainwashed. Not brainwashed. And they're like, "Well, they used the the cosmic cube to brainwash the And I'm like, "What the hell?" Like, just like, read the article. Just yeah. do the homework. It's literally right there. But you know what? That that weird like outrage kind of stuff that's going on now where you just people are literally just reading headlines and not even uh reading the articles that got me into wanting to solve these misunderstandings because mm-hmm. i'm like this this can't be i'll go and do the homework you know what yeah, I'm because this is obvious this is obviously an oversimplification mm-hmm. comics is way deeper than that it's way deeper than what you just see i can show you any cover and be like this is what happens and usually on the cover is what the death of so-and-so finally and then you read it and nothing happens <laughs> they're fine and so it's weird that people have become so jumpy when it comes to like, guess who they're ruining in comics now? It's like, it's a, it's one issue. Like, get, get yeah. past it. <laughs> With that, I want to say is like, I will never understand why like fans get so mad at changes when we all know everything's going to return to status quo. Yeah. Like, okay, Peter Parker may not be Spider-Man for a while, but eventually he will be back to being Peter. Yeah. Be, uh, being Spider-Man, that is. You know, it, it's always going to go back to the normality of their universe. And and even if it doesn't for a while, you still have your chunk of that time and reality mm-hmm. solidified in comic form. So if you like, if you only like the 1990 to 1992 Batman run, 
you have that forever. If you if you want to go back and dive into it, reread it, you have that. That's your section of the Batman mythos. You dig it all, but you most you know most particularly like this. So it's that same thing. Like comics have to change to evolve. Grab onto what you love. Discard everything that you don't, but also acknowledge that some of the things that you discard, somebody else is going to love. They're going to pick up exactly. and be like, this is my jam. I dig this. And it may not be yours, but that's the reason why these there's so many books. So and that, some of these books end up being really good and really interesting. You know? Yeah. Just Man, I chance. read, and I know this is off topic, but I read Cosmic Ghost Rider. And I was like, bonkers. The, the whole book is bonkers. Very short series. Only, I think, five issues or whatever. Completely oh, crazy. Know. But exciting, like, like it, it, it calls to that um, old man Logan, old man Hawkeye stuff where because the universe isn't 616, you could just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You could literally just do whatever you want. And sometimes I think Marvel is handcuffed by their continuity because everyone has to be on the same page at all times because everyone is so interconnected um, that when you give somebody the freedom to just do their own thing, it usually becomes a smash hit. <laughs> when somebody is doing something that doesn't involve the rest of the world, like you're saying, uh, for the most part with the X Factor X Factor investigations, they were in house. Yeah. And so, to a lot of people, that was more intimate. It gave Peter David a lot of leeway to do what he wanted. And just true. to this team, it didn't have to have outwarding effects on everything and everybody else. He didn't have to ask other writers. Well, what would you know, uh, Captain America do in this situation? Because you know, he had to. I remember Peter David stating like he had to like ask first to use certain characters like, yeah like he used darwin that was really awesome and he was like oh can i use him where is he at right now and they had to figure out where exactly he was at and but, yeah. I, I do like that portion of comics of like where did we last leave so and so and how do we get them here uh i think that's pretty cool like where's simon yeah nah. <laughs> i mean i'm i she's like a goddess now i can't wait to i were you excited for the new mutants movie um I know that's that's X Factor adjacent. <laughs> it's not not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. I uh, <laughs> is Warlock like... in it? Is who Warlock? No, I I was supposed to be like Wolfbane, Speedball. Was it right there? I'm in it for Wolfbane, man. Yeah, I yeah. think she was being played by Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. Um, oh, and yeah, so they were gonna go that route with it. And it, it, the original trailers looked like it was gonna be a horror movie. Like they were gonna try to make it legit scary. It does look like it. The trailer dropped. I want to say three years ago, <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> uh, last but not least, how you feel about this um, Dark Phoenix movie? Uh, another, <laughs> another. <laughs> I'm wary because of the whole that movie that got erased from the timeline. Yes, you know, um, X three. Yes, which I only remember multiple men's parts. But I'm wary because of that movie. It's that movie would have been good if they just did the the cure by itself or the phoenix by itself. So okay. maybe since this is just centered around her being Dark Phoenix, maybe it might be. But like I said, with actors and comic books and event storylines and stuff, I'll give things a chance. I'm not gonna rule it out before even seeing it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna see it. I hope it is like a kind of a a bow they put at the end of this whole long, sometimes great, sometimes terrible, sometimes depressing, sometimes inspiring, a franchise. Like I would like to see it go out on the way that it, it's meant to go out. Because this is their their last film, right? This is going to be their last film, I guess, under this unless X franchise. Happens, then X Force will be the last one. I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know where. 
Oh, wait. New Mutants is still going to happen. Though. Yeah. New okay. Mutants is still set to happen. So I think after those films um, come out, it would then the, the Disney door closes and then we start with what are we going to do with Deadpool and what are we going to do with the X-Men and what are we going to do with the Fantastic Four and all that starts to come out. So I'm interested in all of that. House of Emily. I keep saying... Marvel. I keep trying to say, can you, ret- can you retrofit Scarlet Witch for the House of M stuff? Like, can... Can it come out that when she was eleven, she found out she was a mutant? She said no more mutants, but then we find we remember that she got her powers from the Mind Stone. Yeah, but House of M was a direct. Well, she tapped into something. Spoiler yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. So they could still play it off. I yeah, guess. yeah. I mean, her the scope of her powers, I don't think has even been touched on. I think the closest you get to that was when she found out that Quicksilver died, and she killed all those Ultron bots just by like screaming. Like, it it can get crazy. And Elizabeth Olsen, you know, maybe she needs to step up in that role. And so I'll be really uh, interested in seeing all that. It's going to be a hell of a year for Marvel in general when it comes down to a lot of these movies. And I'm really interested in seeing uh, where they go from here. Um, but you know where we're going to go from here. Our next episode of Major Issues, you know what we're doing next week? What are we doing? We're going to find out. We're going to debate which is a worse film. We're bringing back the Which is Worse series. It started with Which is Worse. Uh, Green Lantern versus X-Men Origins Wolverine. Green Lantern. Oh, my God. X-Men Origins Wolverine is atrocious. <laughs> yeah, so I, I chose to pick. I do this. Um, We do this uh, every so often, me and Dan the Comic Man. And so Dan picked Origins to defend, and I picked Green Lantern to defend. And I found Green Lantern way easier to defend than, uh, yeah. than Origins, especially with that Deadpool. Did he choose that? Movie? I think he chose, yeah. But you know what? A lot of people uh, consider the Green Lantern what failed the DCEU because that was supposed to be the beginning of it. Mm. And so when that didn't work, then they kind of just... Is that CGI suit? Yeah, you know, <laughs> don't make the suit green or animated. Uh, the second episode was Amazing Spider-Man 2 versus Spider-Man 3. Oh, Spider-Man 3, hands down, was horrible. I And I picked Amazing Spider-Man 2 to defend. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 was okay. It wasn't... There's a lot of people that absolutely hate that film, that yeah. think it's the worst Spider-Man film ever made. And I I, I can kind of see it, but I think that, that Spider his portrayal as Spider-Man wasn't bad. So that's what carries that I remember when Spider-Man 3 came out, I was in the theaters, my best friend was sitting next to me. And, like, before the middle of the movie... um. I turn to my best friend and I'm like, I know what's going to happen. The butler's going to tell him that his father was bad and that he's going <laughs> to team up with Spider-Man and they're both going to fight Venom and Sandman. And then as it unfolded towards the end, my best friend's looking at me like, how did you know? I'm like, dude, it's mad predictable. I just, I I didn't like Topher Grace as Venom. I used to say as a kid, just airbrush Brock Lesnar. And you have, you have Eddie Brock and you got Venom. You're good. You ain't no CGI. You're good. You're straight. Eddie Brock Lesnar? That's it. It's right there. You got the haircut. We're good. We would have everything would have been fine. Um, but Captain Marvel's coming up, so we decided that we needed to look back at some female-led superhero films. So next week we will finally definitively decide which was worse, Elektra or Catwoman. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. You know what's even worse by that? I, 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 when we decided on that, I had not seen either film. So far, I have seen Catwoman. I still have to see Elektra. And because of a coin flip, I must defend Catwoman. Whoa, I actually haven't seen either. I've seen scenes. That's what I'm saying. I think majority of people have. So I, I really now get to see the landscape here. And hopefully both of these films will make me have more enjoyment for Captain Marvel. 
<laughs> which I'm pretty sure it's going to. Uh, so that's going to be uh, fun. That's going to be fun here uh, next week. But if you want to make sure that you catch that, you have to make sure that you subscribe to the Major Issues Podcast, which is available wherever podcasts are found. That's Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, YouTube, your Apple Podcast app. If you have an iPhone, that means you have a app pre-installed for podcasts. And if not, you can just go to Google and search Major Issues Podcast, and we're the first ones to pop right up. If you want to contact us and, you know, let us know what's on your mind with some of these episodes, you can do that at Facebook.com slash Comic Book Click, Instagram at Comic Book Click, or use the hashtag Comic Book Click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. Not to mention, at Major Issues CBC is the official Twitter handle for the Major Issues podcast, uh, so you can reach us on there. Do us a favor and like uh, like us, share us, uh, tell a friend about us. But ultimately, try to rate and review us on iTunes because it's the quickest way for us to, uh, you know, find out how we're doing here as podcasters. We're always trying to improve for you guys to click at home. So the quickest way for us to get that feedback is if you rate and review us on iTunes. And if you give us a five-star review, it's the quickest way for other members of the click to find us and for our audience to grow. So, uh, yeah, just try to make sure that you are out there doing that and out there spreading the love of the Major Issues podcast. Um, did you have any uh, uh, Twitter stuff you want, you want to give out any of your social, <laughs> social media? Um, sure. Um, Twitter and Instagram is at uh, Mr. Underscore Obese Pockets. Ah. Um, yeah. I think that's it. Ah, that's pretty, that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good to me. Well, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. And my name is Jason Estrella. And this has been our many mishaps, the many misadventures, and the myriad of uh, uh, mistakes of my man, multiple man, Jamie Madrox. And remember, whether one of your dupes is gay, whether one of them is a uh, priest, whether one of them... Cyborg is a cyborg, an agent of Shield, an agent of Hydra. Whether uh, one of them is lactose intolerant, one of them is uh, dyslexic. I'm trying to figure out these things, or one of them really, really likes MAGA hats. Remember that you are the Click. We are the Click. We are Madrox, and you, yes, you, are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>